Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Aren't you glad we can have time going to that time? Praise the Lord. Amen. We greet you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. What a privilege it's for us to be gathered back together today in the house of God. We've made full circle now. I guess this is group A or whatever group y'all are. You get to come back the second time. So. Amen. We certainly appreciate the Lord giving us the opportunity. Hopefully it won't last too much longer where we can all get back together again. I know it doesn't seem normal to us and it doesn't feel normal, but we'll just have to make the best of it, won't we? And God will help us. We know that. He always does. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I hope every person that I'm speaking to today, visibly and those that are in the invisible audience, I hope these verses that we're going to read has happened to you and in your life. Because if they have, you are certainly the most blessed people that have lived on the earth. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, not by angelic power, not by creating new worlds, not by speaking the cosmos into existence, but by Jesus Christ. So the great work of reconciliation is through one channel alone, and it's not Mary, and it's not Mohammed, and it's not through any preacher, praise the Lord, but it's through Jesus Christ. Then in turn, the Lord Jesus then deposits and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, if a man's given the ministry of reconciliation, then he has every other aspect of the ministry under that one. But some men are not given the ministry of reconciliation. They're given the ministry of calling and salvation alone. So they basically deal with people that whosoever will, and they might, and they might not, and they might, and they might not, and you win some, you lose some. But if you're given the ministry of reconciliation, you don't lose any of them. It's wonderful dealing with that kind of people. Praise the Lord. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So if God was in Christ in the ministry of reconciliation, Christ is in the bride in the ministry of reconciliation. Not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word or the logos of reconciliation. The word logos is, of course, the mandate, what God is doing in the hour, the time that you're living in. Unto us the Logos of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be you reconciled to God. Let's pray together. How many would like to be remembered today before the Lord? God bless you. Heavenly Father, we count it a great honor once again that we can be able to gather together here today, Father, in this place. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that there's been some ease on the restrictions on us, Lord, to where we could be able to at least have more than 10 here. We're thankful, Father. It's certainly not what we want it to be, and we're believing you, Lord, that our, our numbers of all those things will be kept down where we can be able to have church is normal. We pray today, Father, that your spirit would just move on every heart. Lord, we realize that in a setting like this, we have many more that are 
streaming now that are here in the visible audience, but whether it's visible or invisible, we ask that you'd go and minister to every heart, every need, those that are sick, those, Father, that are feeling maybe financial uh, oppression because of this situation, those that are dealing with mental battles, whatever it is, Father, we know that you're mindful of us, and we pray that you'd minister to every heart, every need today. Lord Jesus, help me to get out of the way. I pray, Father, that you'd close my mouth to anything that would be contrary to your word and your will. Help me to speak only that which would be beneficial and a blessing and a help to your people. We commit the service to you today, Father, speaking of your word. Father, you see this prayer cloth, this handkerchief that I'm going to preach with today, Lord, for our brother Matt Carter. You see the needs in his body, and we're just asking you, Father, in the name of Jesus, the Spirit of God would move for our brother. Lord, you're the one that made man in the beginning. You know every part about his body. You know everything that's right, everything, Lord, that needs to be made right. I pray that you'd move for our brother, dear God, in Jesus Christ's name. And the saint said, Amen. Oh, thank you all so much. Would y'all say that again? Amen. Thank you. It ain't thunder yet, but you're working on it. God bless you. You can be seated. I imagine the anticipation of his heart must have been so overwhelming. He had dealt with so many categories of people, and he had certainly had his moments that were, he was in his element. But he also had to deal with others that were so disturbing. You'd have to really be a preacher to be able to understand how a preacher feels whenever you cross the different categories of people that you're ministering the word to. It's hard to describe it, really. You have some that are so receptive to the word, and they just, they just want what God wants for them. They want to hear what God has to say. They really don't want you to make excuses for them or for the time or the season. They simply want to just hear the word and they desire to comply to it. Then you have others that they, they do enjoy hearing the word to an element, to a degree. They enjoy going to church. They enjoy the things of God. But yet they seem to never be able to really grasp and comprehend what the whole program is all about. Then you have others that you want and you try and you do everything you can and you even use means of persuasion to try to persuade them into the realm of eternal life because we know the Bible tells us that even pulling some from the fire, pulling them out of the world and nudging them with such an urgency, hating the garment that is spotted by the world. But whenever you find that one or many that you're able to minister to in a sphere of eternal life, that is that they, they're able to grasp what's being said, they so identify with it and they love it, it doesn't mean they understand everything that they hear, but they have such a desire for it. It is such a pleasure to deal with those types of people. Yet every man is called to deal with the spectrum which is across the board. 
some that are easy to preach to, some that are harder to preach to, some that are more complicated because of their background and their past, and they take more things to deal with to finally help them to get it. And Jesus, this particular day, knowing what the Father had showed him, that he must needs go through Samaria, by vision he must have already had a prelude to understand what type of vision that this was. Now he said, we know that he said, I do nothing but what the Father shows me. Now I know this may be hard for us to comprehend it, but through the kenosis he actually broke himself apart from the omnipotence or the omnipotent of knowing everything. And he limited himself to the ability to be able to operate as a person filled with the Holy Ghost instead of being the all-knowing, omnipotent God that he was. So he limited himself in the sense of being led by visions and leading of the Holy Ghost. So the Father must have given him a special something and the way that he says it there that he must needs go through Samaria. So he knew there was a reason and he knew of course the background of the Samaritans and those of you that have studied on the Samaritans and you know actually the merging together taking place around 721 BC part Jew, part Gentile and what part of the conquering kings would do when they would go in say a king would come in from uh, Virginia and he would come in and conquer Elizabethan and conquer Johnson City and Bristol and Kingsport you know they changed their philosophy in the way that they would do over the time part of the time they would go in and they'd leave all the residents so they'd let you live where you live and you live where you lived and all the rest of you live where you live but they would put a ruler over you and they would make you simply comply to what that ruler said some of them found out that didn't necessarily work so they would make you and you and you and you and me and they'd make us all leave from Johnson City and Elizabeth and Kingsport Bristol and they'd make us move up in Virginia somewhere where we'd never lived in all of our life for some of them they found that broke us that broke our spirit that broke what we were used to but in this situation the way they did they were of the mindset to try to mix them so whenever they were conquered there in Judea, Jamer, uh, Jerusalem rather, Samaria, and the parts there, instead of taking all the Jews and moving them out, they left an element of the Jews and they found that the religious teaching was very important and vital. So they would take part of the Jews out and they would let part of them stay and they would then send in Gentiles. This is where the background or the roots of the Samaritan mix come in. So they left part of the Jews, so they sent a rabbi over to the Gentiles, which lived in Samaria, and they began to teach them of the Judaic religion. But they were Gentiles, so they really didn't want everything about the Jewish religion. So it was a hybridized thing. So then they come on a few centuries later and they built their own temple, which is later destroyed by the Jews. And the Samaritans, of course, was part of the uprising and they helped the temple in Jerusalem be destroyed. So there was quite a, a hard feeling among the Jews and the Samaritans. So to, you imagine whenever the Lord Jesus had to go to Samaria and the disciples, which were, you know, they were everyone Jews, it was very difficult for them to be able to think, why would he want to go among them? Whenever the Lord Jesus gives the parable of the good Samaritan, it does not mean the same thing to you as it would a first century Jew. To them, there was no such a thing as a good 
Samaritan. Now, for, the, for Jesus to put the priest in a bad light, to put the Levite in a bad light, and to put a good Samaritan and make him the hero of the parable, that would have been an insult of insults to you as a Jew. But now remember the Lord Jesus has come to break tradition. He's come to break what they had in their mind. And in their minds, these folks were dogs. You know, they were basically beyond redemption. So it's, it's amazing because you find when the Lord Jesus sends the disciples out of St. Matthew 10, when he sends them out two by two, and he tells them not to go into any of the cities of the Samaritans. So why would he tell them not to go, but yet he's going to go? Now there is a time and a season for the word of God. And Jesus must be the entrance into the Samaritan gate. So the disciples were not allowed to go yet. It was going to be him that was going to go. Now remember we're looking at reconciliation. So when you're talking of reconciling someone back to God, it's simply in the terms that we would be able to relate to it. It is someone, it's not like you're dealing with a backslider in the sense of a backslider in time. But they were someone in God's thinking that he knew before the foundation of the world. And when Adam fell, he took them with him. But yet their identity was always in the Lamb's special book, the book of life. The Lamb's book of life. Now, let's break into this conversation again, if we can, in St. John 4.24. And remember now, the background is the city of Samaria... Uh, the Jews hate them. The, the Samaritans have nothing for the Jews. The Jews have nothing for the Samaritans. And the Lord Jesus, it, he, he times it so that it, it's right at lunchtime and they do not have any food with them. So it sends the disciples on, on to the closest city and tells them to buy some victuals. So they are at the well that Jacob dug. And the woman that's come out to the well, now she's by herself. Uh, that signifies, of course, that she was a woman that was unclean. The, all the rest of the women would come early in the morning. They didn't have a faucet where they'd turn the water on and, you know, be able to do all of that as we do today. So the women would go out early and they would get the water pots and depending on how big their family was, if it was a small family, they would take the water pot and fill it and carry it right on top of their head. Now I've been in the Middle East and seen them still do that to this day. And if it was a larger type family, or if this family, this woman made her living by washing clothes, then she would have a long pole. And she would have a pot on this end, and a pot on that end, and then she would kind of carry her arms up like this to balance it, and she would go back. So the women began their day with getting the water. So it's very unusual then that this woman is there at lunchtime. But she was not welcome with the rest of the women of the city. Now keep this in mind. She's not welcome with the rest of the women of the city. She has no reputation. She has no honor. She has no respect. They didn't like her. 
even the Samaritans did not like her. So the Lord Jesus times it now. So it's at lunchtime. He's there by himself. And the woman comes up and the Lord Jesus asks her for a drink. We remember the story. Let's break into the story now as it goes into the spiritual level of where the Lord Jesus wanted to get her attention. And in in St. John 4.24 he says, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now remember this is a Jew speaking to a Samaritan. He is beginning to unveil things to this woman, which at this time had never been uttered since the foundation of the world. To a rabbi, to a disciple, to a woman, which had been married five times and was living with a man which was not her husband. Now most of us would never think of talking such things to a person in that state. And it shows many times that we don't know how to lead people into further light. This is why it's so important to speak to them under the direction of the Holy Ghost. For many of us, we look at somebody with shorts on, a woman say, bobbed hair, lipstick, makeup, and say, tell her glory to God, she's got to let her hair grow out. You might run her off. I don't know too much about fishing, but I do know you have to catch them before you skin them. That's right. So notice in the Lord Jesus, this is not something that you would think that you would bring to a woman like this. You'd think it'd start with marriage and divorce. No, that's not the way that her seed was going to become into life. So he says, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh. Now remember the Samaritans still... Even though they were separate from the Jews, they held to the first five books of Moses, which was called the Pentateuch. Now, they did not accept Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Malachi, and the rest of the prophets, but they did accept the first five books of Moses. Now, believe it or not, but there are still Samaritans, ancient Samaritans, that are alive and still uh, function in this uh, religious aspect in and around Jerusalem to this very day. And they still worship God in this ancient way. They dress the way that they did many, many years ago. And they still hold to the first five books of Moses. So in that, they had enough understanding from the first five books to know that there was going to be a Messiah, which was an anointed one. Now notice, so this woman was not totally ignorant of that. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. So I know Messiah is going to come, and he will be called the anointed one. Now to be honest with you, where she got this, you can't find it in the first five books of Moses. Because you don't find the word Christos in the Hebrew, which is what Moses wrote in. So there was somehow an illumination that this woman caught of the light of the day. Praise God. May I say it this way. There is a slight advantage (laughs) that the elect of God have over everybody else. 
And that that which is deposited in them is synchronized to the light of the day before it's ever even quickened by the Holy Ghost. Amen. So it gives you an advantage even though you can't explain it and you don't even know what you're looking for. But you know you're looking for something that, you know, the nominal places just don't have. You might not be able to put your finger on it. Now, as I said, was well, she got this? We really don't know. I've not been able to find anything. I've never found actually where the prophet referred to it either. But notice now Jesus, after telling her about worship, then Jesus says unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Now, what a recognition that we have the Messiah Standing here dealing with a woman that we certainly, most of us, would not want to be identified with. And yet he is telling her about God. He's telling her about worship. He's telling her that the future events is going to unfold. It's not going to unfold in the temple of Jerusalem or now the empty mount in Mount Gerizim because the temple at this time had been destroyed on Mount Gerizim so they had no place to worship. So he was letting her know that and now he identifies himself that he is the Messiah. Now then he goes to further explaining the word and we know that the Holy Ghost had not yet been given. But something happens inside this woman's soul. Amen. Praise be to God. Now let us look in verse 28. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Amen. He utters to this woman some of the most sublime revelations in the entirety of the Gospels. How to worship, how to approach God. He offers her living water. You imagine whenever this seed in her starts quickened, responding to the voice of God, which seemed like just a mere human. I hope you understand what she was hearing was the voice of God. It was not the human voice of Jesus. Hallelujah. So it was communicated to her this glorious truth that God is a spirit. It was revealed to her in the necessary term and form that Adonai was able to reveal himself to this woman. As I said, marriage and divorce is not mentioned. Who knows how she was dressed, how she looked. But yet John does not say one thing about the length of her hair, whether or not she had lipstick on or makeup. He doesn't mention that at all. But he mentions the things which to John was the most essential. It makes such an impression upon this woman that immediately in her heart, now no doubt she was impressed that the Lord Jesus would even speak to her. And she comments about that. Who are you a Jew that would ask me, a woman of Samaria, to give you a drink? And of course he says, if you knew who you were speaking to, you would ask me a drink and I would give you living water. She said, well, how's that going to be since you don't have anything to draw from? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Which 
studded this well and drank from the well. But yet, whenever she relates what Jesus had done and spoke to her, she does not relate the part about worship. She does not relate the part about him even identifying himself as the Messiah. But the word had become so quickened to her that the word is processed through the light of the day and all she can talk about is what an effect it had on her life. So she doesn't go into the city and say, hey, I found out how we're supposed to worship God. Hey, I found out we don't have to go to Jerusalem to worship God. I found out the temple being gone in Mount Gerizim, it doesn't even matter anymore. She doesn't go into the theology. She doesn't mention the things that he said. But you can see, oh, glory to God. You can see when the word transacts on a seed, that that seed becomes the pregnation of the very light of God for the day and that seed becomes so quick and remember the Holy Ghost had not yet even been given and this woman in reality has not yet entered into the full extent of a new birth but something so miraculous has happened inside of her that she becomes the furtherance of the gospel light she is not just repeating what Jesus said. I want you to notice that when she goes into the city, she's not saying, he said, he said, he said, he said, page so-and-so, paragraph so-and-so, paragraph so-and-so, but see what this man has done. See how this man has changed my life. Is not this the Messiah? Praise be to God. Notice down verse 31. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. Now as we looked at the scenario last night that the disciples have returned back and they brought food and of course they want the Lord Jesus to be able to eat. So they come back and offer Jesus his portion of food. And he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, has any man brought him aught to eat? Now see, he's still talking in the spiritual realm, and they're still in the natural realm. And Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying, or the Greek word logos, of the woman which testified. Now sisters, you can't preach but you can sure testify. He told me all that ever I did. Now notice her testimony was not explaining the serpent seed. It was not going into God sent a prophet. It was not, it was not that at all. But her testimony had been so impacted. All that he said was important to her. No doubt it was or he wouldn't have said it. But what, what is so amazing to me in looking at this. That she takes all that that he said. And the seed was in her becomes quickened by the voice of God. And when it comes out of her on the other side. It's transmitted into a life that has been changed. So it's not just theology. It's not arguing with this person and trying to win somebody out of the Methodist church to make them a message person in our church. No, it is a lie that is so changed by the Spirit of God that they have to take notice that you have been with Jesus. And then we'll, we'll take care of the doctrine. We'll take care of all that. Let the preachers do that part of it. But you just witness how you was blind and he opened your eyes. You was lost and he saved you. That you was a wretch and something got a hold of your life. And then we become a living witness 
we actually become a living thunder of the voice of God. And that's what shakes hell, my brother, sister. Now, notice this, when the woman testified, and she told her all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him. Now notice they come actually out of the city. So they insisted that the Lord Jesus would tarry with them for a few days. Now again, keep this in mind. This is a strange invitation from Samaritans inviting a Jew. He's already crossing racial barriers. Now you imagine that the Jews had heard about this. Oh my goodness. It ain't no wonder that Brother Darrell sometime later after this, they said to him, say we not well, you are a Samaritan. Uh-huh, he done been hanging out around the Samaritans now. And they thought, well, it ain't no wonder he hangs around that bunch of trash. Secretly, he's probably a Samaritan. They said his mother was pregnant by a Roman soldier, but now we know the truth of it, don't we? She's been slipping around over in Samaria, so he's half Jew and half Samaritan. That's about right, bunch of trash. Well, come on, saints. They say similar stuff to us. A bunch of Branhamites. They don't even know how to preach without saying Branham. I know how to preach without saying Branham, but why should I? This message is what's helped me to understand really what to preach about the Bible. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I like listening to you. If you leave William Branham, but how in the world can I do that? If I'm going to leave him out, I'll have to leave out Paul. I'll have to leave out John. i have to leave out Mark. i have to leave out Philemon. I'll have, look, how many books in the Bible are named after people? Every book in the Bible is not named Jesus, 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 Jesus. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. So here they come out and they are so moved just simply by hearing the testimony now of this woman which has no reputation. She has no honor among the people. It's not the mayor's wife, the judge's wife, a constable's wife. She's been the wife of many men. Not saying she wasn't married to the judge at one time or the mayor or the constable. Who knows all that background. But right now she's in very low standard. But it's amazing what Jesus can do to take somebody that's right on the scum on the bottom of the barrel. And be able to redeem them and fill them with the Holy Ghost and give that air about them that angels take note about them, much less human beings. And they are so impressed by what they've seen the miraculous power of God do inside of this woman that they come out and said, would you care to stay with us for a couple of days? Now Jesus, if you go over and preach for them, you're going to be marked. What about your reputation? You better just come to the well, do what you're supposed to do, and leave. Then people got a background of being seven thunders. Or they got a background of being Perusia. They got a background of being this or that or the other. But you know what? Maybe they're seeing some daylight out of their denomination. Well, praise the Lord. They might need some help. Brother Donnie, you mean you would preach for people like that? I've done it before. I'll do it again. Absolutely right. Because I don't want to form a Reagan denomination. I don't want to form a denomination that we call mainstream. You know, that's the, that's the biggest denomination in the message anyway. Mainstream. That's what folks identify everybody else as out of their little circle. Well, they're not mainstream. The new name for a new denomination. So we don't want to put this person in or put that person out. So they said, would you come? Well, let me pray about it. Preach it now. 
Well, praise God. Notice in verse 41. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. Praise be to God. Now, let me just say this to you. I've heard many, 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 many tapes through the years that I've been in the message. And I continue to listen to tapes, and I will as long as I'm in my right mind to be able to listen. But I am so glad that I not only hear the voice of a Kentuckian on those tapes, but I hear another voice behind the voice. Now, that's what many folks who come to the message and leave, they never hear the voice behind the voice. So when they hear the voice of the prophet and he says one thing here and then years later he'll change on his understanding or he doesn't repeat the story identical as they think he ought to like they can when they tell a story. Yeah, right, you hypocrite. And oh, well, he said this over here and said that over there. He's a human being just like you are. But they never hear the voice behind the voice that God is using a human veil. Come on, friends, don't get quiet on me. William Branham made mistakes just like you and I did. He quoted things wrong. He said things wrong. And people want to do that. Why? Because their focus is on this. It's on the man. And if you're looking for fault, you'll certainly find it. But if you hear the voice behind the voice, then you will recognize the bridegroom's call through the message of the hour. Amen. Don't you understand? This is what the woman at the well has now become embraced with. Now say so in a way you'll understand it. That actually she becomes the reiteration of the voice of God in a more profound way than even the disciples in their state thus far. Because they were fussing, fighting, arguing, looking for a following. She don't even mention nothing about herself. She mentions nothing about starting a woman preacher's church but she had laid such an emphasis on Christ Jesus they didn't ask her to stay they asked him to stay that's the kind of preacher I want to be that's the kind of Christian I want to be that I represent the Lord Jesus in such a way that people don't necessarily want me to come into their house but I've represented Jesus in such a real form that people want to know my Jesus they want to know him that I have oh don't you don't you want to be able to reflect the Lord Jesus in such a way that people are not wanting you so much to come to their house but they want your Jesus because they are so impressed with your God praise God and they said unto the woman now we believe not because of thy saying for we have heard him ourselves okay and no we wasn't really settled we saw something had happened for you. But now we have heard him ourselves. And we know. Well, I hope you're going to be able to say with me today, this is where I am and I have been here for a long, long time. I know who the Messiah is. 
I'm not still wondering. I'm not guessing. I'm not looking for another one. I know who it is. It's Christ Jesus. We know. Notice now. We know. Notice this. They said unto the woman. I want you to watch this woman now. It shows that the woman had a real experience with God. Because she's still hanging around where Jesus was. So she didn't get all fired up and go telling what good things God had done. And then whenever the Lord Jesus comes to town, you can't even find her. She ain't in church no more. She ain't serving God no more. But the, the work was still ongoing in her life in so much that when the Lord Jesus come to town, she's still hanging around the meetings. And the people told her because she was still there. Well, praise God. You sure can't say that for a lot that's come in our ranks because they've come and gone, come and gone, in and out, up and down. Come on, church, say amen. But thank God there's some folks like this woman right here, which I hope you understand already, is your type. Amen. And looking just, just very briefly this morning, the prophet mentioned this woman here as far as an individual in scriptural reference more than any other individual in the entirety of scripture. And Brother Darrell mentioned it so beautifully last night that the angel of God referred to this woman. There must be something about this woman that involves the Gentile move in the last days. I believe it's me. I believe it's you. I believe it pertains to the message of the hour that our lives are written in the mystery of the revelation of this woman. Praise be to God. So the woman did not hear initially and just leave, but she kept hanging around the meetings. Oh, now they could say, now we know, because we're not going on your testimony, but we also are partakers of his grace, and we have received a knowledge. Now we believe. Amen. For we have heard him ourselves. And let me tell you something, friend. They didn't just hear with this. They heard him down in here. We have heard him. Oh, don't hear the voice of Donnie Reagan this morning. Don't hear your pastor that loves you. Don't just hear a man, but hear the voice of God. Don't just hear Brother Darrell. Don't just hear Brother Branham whenever you're playing tape. But say, God, help me to hear you. Help me to hear you as you speak to the God called men. And this is what settles you. That you know, that you know, that you know. When the people say, hey, prove this, prove that, prove that. Ah, I can't prove it, but I believe it. Amen. Oh, how can you prove you wasn't there? This one, that, that's right. I can't prove it. It's a great marvel, but I believe it anyhow. Amen. We know. We know. Oh, thank God. I like something preach on that. And know that this indeed is the Christ. Praise God. This is Shiloh. Oh, Shiloh. Genesis 49.10 But all will not depart until Shiloh shall come from between your knees. This is the serpent bruiser. This is the Christ of God, the anointed prophet, the anointed priest, the Savior of the world. Where did they get this term? Where did they hear this? 
The disciples had not been there to use this term. I'm not sure they even understood this yet. Because they certainly hadn't said it. Where did these people get this understanding that Jesus was the Savior of the world? What's amazing to me is we have not one record that the Lord Jesus performed any physical miracle on anyone's body. The Samaritan revival was a revival of the seed gene. Glory to God. We have not one record in history or in the scripture that he raised anyone from the dead in Samaria. Philip will do that later. We have not one record in history of the Bible that opened anybody's blinded eyes. But it was a revival of what? A revival of understanding. A revival of quickening. A revival, oh my, hallelujah. A revival of the Messiah making himself known to his called out people. Did they have miracles? Absolutely. Did they have it? They did later. But they did not follow the miracles to Christ. They got Christ first. Then the miracles followed that. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, my, I believe in miracles with all of my heart, and it's only bait on the hook. But, oh, brother, if we can get them to Christ, we'll have miracles. Why? Because, oh, my, you say, how in the world can people not believe miracles? I'll tell you how people cannot believe in miracles. Because they have not become one. But if you become a miracle, then you believe in miracles. What are you talking about, Brother Donnie? He that is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. You are a miracle by the new birth. This is why you can believe in miracles. So no physical miracles, but unparalleled supernatural knowledge of who he was. The Jews never attained to this. Never. It's some time before the disciples even come to the spot that they can confess it. But it was a revival of supernatural imparting of them recognizing who he is. I hope that's what we have. Notice this in Acts 8. Sometime now after this visit by the Lord Jesus. Verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. But why is it that we with the resurgence of the supernatural in our ranks that we are focusing so much just on one aspect of that scripture and that is seeing miracles. But there are also hearing miracles. I'm not talking about hearing of them and hearing about them. But there are actually miraculous things that God desires to do when it comes to 
by our hearing. Something that you've heard or read all of your life and all of a sudden the Spirit of God opens a channel, a miraculous channel. And it changes you from hearing John 3.16 in a traditional way or Romans 8.1 in a traditional way. And God takes that crippled up hearing of yours, that crippled up hearing of yours which has paralyzed your face and miraculously the powers of God opens up that scripture to you and miraculously you walk out being set free by the power of God that you no longer read I and my father are one in a traditional way but God gives your seed the ability to get up and walk and say I and my father are one we really are one notice in verse 7 for unclean spirits Crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. And many were taken with palsies, and them were lame, and were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But what preceded Philip? Jesus. But you see, whenever preachers precede Jesus, and we plant and impregnate ideology with preachers, we need no room for the real supernatural power of God. But let's get them to Christ. What do you say? Let's get them to Christ with a supernatural recognition of a miraculous power of God birthing them and bringing them to a state of new creation. Signs, wonders, miracles, the lame, the palsy, whatever more will be nothing to our faith then, friends. Now let's break into this from the perspective of the message of future home. Brother Bram says, now this little woman, her first life up here, she was a prostitute. She was all marred up but way, way down in her here was just a little bit, whoa, of understanding. A little bit of understanding. A little bit of understanding. I know when Messiah cometh. Now here was a little bit of understanding. Y'all may not be able to recall it now and don't go back while we're preaching. But you can think about it later. But for many of you, when your seed got burst, there was something down in you. There was a little bit of understanding. There's got to be more to God than this. I know there's more to God. Don't you understand where that come from? There was a little bit of understanding. Had it not been, you'd still been sitting in the Baptist church this morning. Or you'd still been in the Pentecostal church. But there was a little bit of understanding that said there's got to be more to God than this. There's got to be more to Christianity than this. What was it? It was a deposit. Amen. With a little bit of understanding. I know when Messiah's come, see, see, that was there. Notice when Jesus came and manifested the word because the word discerned the thoughts that was in the heart as Hebrews 4 says it will, Hebrews 4, 12. The word was a discerner of the thoughts of the hearts and he came as the son of man, the prophet. What happened? This priest was only intellectual learning said, it's a devil. Because that's what his denomination called it. What did it do? He had no representation, so it blacked him out. So 
So Jesus then is dealing with reconciliation to the woman at the well, but he's dealing with another mortal which has no representation, but still the gift of life was offered to him and he turned it down. These are the heart-wrenching experiences for us as Christians. Notice this, but this little woman had nothing to present. She was as filthy and dirty as she could be. But notice, way down in her, she's got representation. Wow, it must have been right there close to understanding. So she had a little bit of understanding and a whole lot of representation. Now, when the light came and the priest heard it, there was nothing down in him to be able to represent him. What? To represent him in another life. You see, the prophet tells us in the seal book when he preached about the earth, and he said, whenever God said, let there be light, he said, I believe the sun, the moon, the stars, and all that was already in existence, but it was simply the Spirit of God driving the darkness off the face of the earth. And the seeds were laying there from some former civilization. So the priest had nothing in him from the former civilization, the God civilization. But he still would have the opportunity to accept it if he wanted it. But instead, he said, no, thank you. Now watch, down inside of her, she's got representation. She was looking for this to be made flesh. Wow. When he said, go get your husband and come here, she said, sir, I have none said, you've said the truth because you've got five and the one you have now is not yours. You've had five. That makes you six. said, sir, not, you're not Beelzebub, but I perceive that you are a prophet. We know that Messiah, which is called Christ, will come and when he does, he'll do this. He said, I am he. No more doubt. You didn't have to explain it. You're talking about a textbook there. She saw it. She believed it, away she went. (laughs) She saw it, she believed it, away she went. Why? Why did it do that to her? It redeemed her. Glory to God, here he is through the ministry of reconciliation to bring her back. It redeemed, what did? The spoken word, the light of God got a hold of that seed and it redeemed her. Now watch, he come to be a redeemer, is that right? What does redeem mean? Bring back. Why didn't he get the priest? He never was up there. CC had no representation. He come to redeem. Now listen how this happened. He come to redeem that which had fallen. In the fall, this got messed up with that girl. (laughs) In the fall, this, the redeemable part, got messed up with that girl. 
The redeemable part in you got messed up with your drinking. It got messed up with your lying, with your running around. It got messed up, but it wasn't going to stay messed up. Praise be to God. It may have got messed up, but he come to redeem it, to take it up. Tell you one thing, friends. You think you ain't going to make it? Keep this little simple saying in your heart. Satan got you lost, but Jesus is going to get you home. I said Satan got you lost, but Jesus is going to get you home. I may have a lot of snares and difficulties along the way, but my Jesus is going to get me home. Hallelujah. This got messed up with that girl, but God, hallelujah, God had her in his thinking before the foundation of the world, and he come to cleanse her. She had eternal life. Now let's change the scenario. Now we go to the ministry of preaching salvation. Kenosis still is necessary, of course. Total different setting than the woman altogether. Another soul searching for satisfaction. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And when he was going forth into the way, there come one running and kneeled down to him and asking him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now this man, he's, he's kept the law. He's had all these things since he was but a child. Is that right? And been a fine young man, a notable young man. But yet he knew he did not have eternal life. But he looks as eternal life as an inheritance, which makes would lead us to believe that his father had left him an inheritance. Maybe past, maybe a rich man. We don't know exactly all the particulars about it. But he was very, very common. This was something common to him, and his understanding that eternal life would come as an inheritance. Notice this. And Jesus said unto him, "Why callest thou me good?" There is none good but one, and that is God. Amen. Are you saying I'm God? Do you believe I'm God? There's only one good, that's God. Now, I'm not making that up, I'm just quoting what Brother Bram said. It. That's what he asked me. Do you believe I'm God? Thou knowest the commandments. Do God commit adultery? Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my use. Good church member of Happy Valley. Wow. I mean, we take a guy like this and say, man, you're talking about a model young man. You're talking about a model role for our young people. No, he wasn't. Because he was still filled with the number one sin, selfishness. This is the one thing Jesus tells him, you lack one thing. Oh, you say that one thing was getting rid of. Oh, no, it was not getting rid of his silver and his gold. It was not that. It was himself putting himself first. You can't be a disciple of Jesus with that mentality. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Now listen to this next verse. It's staggering. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. But he didn't love him as God. 
your jaw looked that way when I said this this morning. He did not love him with the same love that he looked at the woman at the well and loved her. As a man, Jesus loved him. But it's not with elective love. It's compassionate, human, pity love. I want to be like Jesus when it comes to this myself. I want to, I want to look on people with pity when they turn down the truth. Don't you? I don't want to smirk my man, you know, throw my nose up in the hell. Well, bless God, go on to hell if you want to. If I ever get to that place, I need to sit down and quit preaching. Jesus looks at him with such admiration. Now, this is unique to Mark because he's the only one that describes this this way and says that, that Jesus actually loved him. And there must have been such an expression of love because Mark wasn't actually there. You know, Mark was just a young boy at this time and it was years later whenever Mark. So Mark, he writes all these things under the memory of the others. And it must have been so outstanding that Mark, when he wrote this down, and Jesus must have expressed something of a human expression that he was identified as love. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross, and follow me. So here is Jesus in another aspect of ministry, not in the ministry of reconciliation. Offering eternal life to those who do not have it. Offering them the choice, the whosoever will group. You can be saved. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to perish. You don't have to be lost. Watching the response. Watching their actions. Listening to their excuses. While they cannot do it. This is not the ministry of reconciliation. You understand? This man cannot be reconciled. But he could have been saved. Now you say, well, what if, what if my kids ain't saved? What if, but they might be, they, they might not be elect, but they might be savable. Don't write them off just because they don't believe what you believe. They might be savable. Keep praying for them. Right? Oh my. You imagine Jesus looking at him and and behold him. But this man does not have it in him, Brother Jim. He just doesn't have it in him. To work in the work of God in self-denial. Not saying that a person has to give up everything they have. What you have to give up is yourself. If you can give up yourself and keep your things, God may use those things to help others. But if your things are kept because of selfishness, they will destroy you. But it's not necessarily your things that will destroy you. It's your selfish attitude. Lord Jesus. So notice Jesus tells him, give away what you've got, sell what you've got, or whatever there has. Thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved. This man was so affected by the devil 
Now this is not a guy, forget it. I don't care anyway. Shoot yourself. Keep your eternal life. But when he hears this, oh no. I wanted it. I, when the man don't turn, I walk away. Oh, let's go have a party. Let's go smoke a joint. Let's go get drunk. Can you imagine the man crying, weeping, like a Nicodemus around the wall, crying, weeping, because it's simply not in him to give up everything for Jesus. This is one of the saddest parts of being a preacher. How many have I preached to over the years? How many have I counseled right there in that office and tell them, don't do this, don't do this, 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 and this. You'll get in trouble. Believe me, I'm telling you the word of the Lord. You'll get in trouble. Thank you, Brother Donnie. Thank you. Oh, I love you. Thank you for telling me the truth. They get right up, walk out, and do this, this, and this. The very things I told them not to do. Some of them wind up dying. Dying? Yeah, dying. There's a man who stood around in our church several years and I told him, I said, if you do such and such and so and so, God will take your life. The man no longer is alive. When are we ever going to get to a spot when we can recognize and hear the voice of God? This must have ruined Jesus' whole day, eh? Amen. Brother Darrell, how can you reach out to people? Offer them eternal life? Many times Carol will come talk to me. We have to talk to somebody and she'll say, what do you think? I said, they'll never turn back. It went in this ear and out the other. I've told Brother J.D. time and time again, Brother J.D., just remember, from this night forward, they will do nothing. Go down. And if me, an ignoramus, would know that, you can't tell me they don't know it. But it's what they choose. Oh God, this tears my heart out to have this aspect of the ministry. you're witnessing trying to reach out to people and you know their mind is made up I don't care what you tell them or what you do if Jesus Christ was sitting right there with my suit on and sitting right there in my office in my chair they would do the same thing oh my goodness can I take another few minutes Let's move to another man by the name of Nicodemus, St. John 3, 7. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh. Whether it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, art thou a master of Israel? And knowest not these things? The very first man, as far as we know, in the writing of the Gospels, that hears about the new birth, but never able to get it. 
Instead of saying, help me understand. Help me to believe. Instead of doing that, what's he do? Has this question and that question and that question and another question. Here is the man who can answer your questions. If they need to be answered. But instead, instead of listening, you only make up more questions. Look at these groups of people. Offering them here. You can have eternal life. You're not of my kind. It's easy to tell. I put my word before you. You, you question this. You don't want that. This, that, the other. Okay. I understand. But I offer you eternal life. You imagine a man that is the first hybrid on the earth. A mongrel. Which is the mixture of the human race from the woman's side. Mixed together with the serpent. Which is the highest of the animal life next to the man. A mongrel, Cain, and yet God by revelation revealed to his own family Abel the way of righteousness and God was not obligated to reveal to a mongrel the right way. But God came to this mongrel and said, if thou doest well, you will be accepted. You understand what well meant? Worshiping like his brother except without the personal revelation. If you'll go to church and just, just offer what he does. I know you don't see it. But if you'll do that, I give you my word. That's the word of God. I will accept you. But he said, you mean in order to go to heaven? I've got to do like him? Yes. Because I have revealed to him the right way. And I'm simply telling you, do what he does. You may not understand it, but do what he does. Worship the way he worships. Bring the lamb. Leave your watermelon and your pumpkins and your cucumbers at the house. And bring a lamb. I will accept you. He said, I will not do it. I will go to hell first. Lord God. Friends, I know it's hard for you to imagine. But I have had people to tell me that. I will go to hell first. The people who exported our sermon years ago and put it up to make it available on the race issue, the two people that I know that were mainly responsible for it, they laughed, and one of them used to come here. They laughed and said, it was worth every moment. It will be worth going to hell to see the trouble we brought him. God have mercy. And you think you ain't blessed? You say, oh, we, we ought to be so happy today that we don't feel that way in our hearts about God and His Word and His Gospel. That God offers you eternal life and you say, keep your eternal life. I don't want it. Don't you love Him? Smell our heads together, if you would. Praise God. If me, a man, Brother Darrell, a man, these other ministers, if it makes us feel so sad and so, so helpless, really, whenever you try to offer, by the grace of God, people something better than what they have and a better way of life, and they simply refuse it, and they choose their way and Satan's way and all that. I cannot imagine how the Almighty felt. 
I just wonder if Jesus, the rest of the day, it just took him a while to get over it. I believe Brother Darrell was a preacher. He had to allow himself to feel that way. So when you and I do, and we go to him, Lord, did I miss it somehow? Because as a preacher, <clears throat> a real sincere preacher, you always question yourself. People backslide from our church, get away from God. Those that I have the opportunity to speak to, if I run into them wherever, I always ask them, did I not preach the truth? Did, did I miss, miss somehow your needs? Did I overlook you somehow? I've never had a one yet to tell me, no, it was your fault. You, you totally was ignorant of my needs and this and that. They all have always come back. No, it's my fault. It's my choice. But still, it makes you feel so bad. Because you don't want to see nobody go to hell. What kind of person would I be if I wanted to see anybody perish today? And yet, preaching the gospel comes with this mixture of preaching to those who can be reconciled, the seed of God. Preaching to those of the whosoever will group, and some of them you'll actually bring to the Lord Jesus. I believe that day when I stand before God, I will not just have fruit of my labor on the elect side. I'm going to have fruit of other people that were non-bride, that I prayed for when they were sick, or led them to the Lord Jesus, as far as that knowledge would allow them. I believe some of them is going to be there. If you feel in your heart to witness to somebody, say, well, I, I didn't feel led to talk to him about Brother Branham. If you don't feel led, don't do it. Lead them to the Lord Jesus. Tell them there's a better way and let God sort them out. That's right. Don't, everybody, friend, is not called to hear this word. This is a bride call for our bride people, for our bride rapture. Hallelujah. Father, I know this ends up on a, an unusual note today. It makes our hearts feel strangely alarmed. Oh God, I, I pray you would help us, Lord. Oh, this mission of St. John 4, we, we see that you're like us because when certain things would happen, the Bible tells us that you rejoiced. John does not mention it here but after the Samaritan revival. But it must have been a great time of rejoicing in your heart. But I imagine this rich young ruler, it left you feeling humanly very sad. The prophet gives us his second part of his story. It was told to us further in the book of Luke. A certain rich man died and a beggar died. This rich man said he's increased with goods and tear down his barns and build bigger. All those things he's going to do. Then in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. Oh Jesus, as ministers, as church people, as saints, whether it's our loved ones or friends or family, whoever it is, that we try to tell them this is the end time, the time's at hand. And it seemed like they just won't hear it. It so weighs on our hearts. We have loved ones that's out, God. We have loved ones that's lost, Lord. We want them to come back. Be merciful, Lord Jesus. Help us, Father, not just to focus on bringing them to the message, but let's bring them to a saving knowledge of you and let you sort them out according to what, what you're saying need to go to.
Forgive us, Lord, if we're only so focused on bride people only and message people only. We see in the admixture of your ministry when you were here, the joy of your heart, the joy of your heart was ministering to your own. But oh, it must have so pleased you when you were able to lead others that were not in the Lamb's book to a saving knowledge of who you were. We really don't know about the rest of them, Samaritans. No doubt some of them went on to hear Philip's message and then Peter and them going over and some of them received the Holy Ghost when on Samaria. The Bible doesn't say all of them that heard you received the Holy Ghost. And we know it's the same today. Many will hear you dealing with their hearts, knocking on their hearts' doors, we say, but they'll never go on to receive you in the form of the token. But Lord God, that's up to you. But I pray you'd help us, Father, to do our part. Help us to act under the administration, Lord. I have to be honest and say before you and these people today, my favorite aspect of the ministry is definitely the ministry of reconciliation. Lord, I know they don't understand. They wonder why in the world does he preach so much on election and predestination? Because it's a favorite part of my ministry. It's dealing with with reconciling that which was lost, brought back in the presence of God. It becomes more weighty and more difficult preaching eternal life and offering as a gift to those that the big majority of who I preach to will not accept it, and I know that. But Lord, if I can win one here and one there, their name will be associated with me through eternity. Help these people to realize, Lord Jesus, let their light so shine that they can see a living God. Grant it, I pray, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Can we stand to our feet today, saints? God bless you. Thank you for being patient with me this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Oh, I'm so glad today that we have been reconciled to God. Amen. You have to believe that now for yourself. I can't believe for you. Your mama can't believe for you, daddy. But you have to look and see what this word has done to you. Well, Brother Donnie, what if I'm not bride? Well, well I, I guess I'll just go out in the world and just quit. Well, if you do, that'll be your choice. The way I look at it, I believe with all my heart, I am bride. I don't have a stamp guarantee. I've never looked up there and seen my name on the Lamb's Book of Life. But I do look at my life and see how it's changed me. Not only changed me in the past tense, but how it's still changing me. My spirit in me is teachable. My spirit in me is subject to further revelation of the Word. Praise God. I believe I'm a child of God. I believe I'm part of the bride. But let me tell you like this. If I ain't, I'm still going to be there. If I miss the rapture, well, I'll tell you what, I'll come right up to the tribulation, I'll be faithful on the other side, and I'll be one of them that'll come screaming and shouting in the sea, seeing you saints. <laughs> I can't lose either way. Well, if I knew I wasn't bright, I wouldn't serve God. You have a total different view of it then than I do. 
I was unworthy of eternal life in the first place. I'm not worthy as far as my humanity. So if I'm the very last one that lives 150 million, you know, feet, miles, whatever, on the outside, I'm the last one to get to come in. I don't ever get to come in, but once ever, 10,000 years, I'll be more than happy. Oh, I'll be so grateful. I'll be rejoicing. I get to come in and see where you all live and go back out and I'll not leave mad, all upset with a, with a temper tantrum or nothing like that. No, because I don't deserve even that. Amen. Amen. But I know one thing. I just don't believe I could be that whosoever real group and love him the way I do. Because at the end of this service, if the audible voice of God speaks up and says, Donnie Reagan, you are condemned to hell. You are lost. I'd still have to go there loving him. And if that would please him, that's exactly where I'd want to go. Oh, that staggers you, don't it? Remember the Church of Christ guy coming to Brother Branham, which he said was the modern-day Pharisees? He said the only thing missing on their name is anti, because they're against everything that the prophet taught, or God, God taught, he said. That Church of Christ comes to him and says, I believe you're a devil! He said, if that was pleasing to my Lord, that's what I want to be. Amen. Then you know, brother, sister, whether you've passed beyond selfishness, a lot of folks want eternal life for selfish reasons because they don't want to go to hell. Well, I don't want to go to hell either, but that's not the reason I want eternal life. I want eternal life because I want His life instead of mine, not with mine, instead of mine. Don't you love Him today? Harry, sing something for us. Can we just worship a little bit before we go? Amen. I know it's a beautiful day outside and sunshine, and you probably got plans for this evening to do this and that and the other, but let's, let's just put those plans on delay for just a little bit. Let's take a few moments to be able to worship the Lord. We go to Him so many times with, I need this, and Lord, I need that. And Lord, children, I tell you, there's many folks that are sick and going through so many things. It's just unbelievable. You know how it is, your prayer list gets longer and longer and longer and longer in the day that we're living. But I hate to go to Him all the time with just a list. Don't you? I hate to go to Him all the time with just a list. Sometimes I want to go to Him without asking for anything. Just to let Him know I love Him. And how thankful I am for all that He's done for me. I am so thankful that I am living in this Samaritan revival of a supernatural opening up of who Jesus really is. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh yes, listen.
especially hear him calling out your name he's here you can touch him you will never be the same he's here oh hallelujah oh let's worship him together bless your name Lord Jesus father we are not called unto salvation and then to go live our own lives and to wear what we think we can wear and listen to the music what we think we can listen to we are called to reconciliation which so transforms our life it's foolish to the world I know but we pull every avenue of our life through the work of reconciliation because we want to be disciples. We don't want to just be saved. We want to be disciples. Reconciled disciples. Which are bearing the mark that our father Abraham bore. Which was the sacred special title given to him by Adonai. That he was called the friend of God. Lot was not a friend of God. Abimelech was not a friend of God. Millions of people that lived in the Old Testament were never called the friend of God. Many people that saw the Lord Jesus was never called his friends. But he spoke to them in the intimate time together in St. John and said, I call you my friends. Hallelujah. A servant don't know what his Lord wants. But you're not so much servants that you're ignorant of my will. You're my friends, my buddies, my partners. Praise God. 
Lord Jesus, who am I? A little old ignoramus, hillbilly, Kentucky boy. Who am I, Lord God, that should pass by my way? There's a little ignorant boy down there in Kentucky that didn't even know how to pray. I had to ask my mama, Mama, how do you get saved? Oh, Lord God. But then I think of another boy from Kentucky that didn't know how to pray. So he wrote you a note and tied it out on a tree. So really the ignorance of Kentucky or Indiana or Ohio or whatever more, that don't really matter, God. It's if we can submit ourselves to you, to your will. Oh, Jesus, we worship you today, Father. We don't just stand here as people who are saved, but as the redeemed of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord God. We do not worship you as saved. We do not worship you as that blood-washed multitude who will come out of great tribulation. We worship you as the redeemed of Elohim. Blessed be the name of the Lord God. The saved point back to a super sign of 2,000 years ago. The redeemed of the last day point to a present day super sign. Glory to God and point to who He is and where He is right now. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. I praise you, Father, for your awesome presence that we feel in this place. Oh, God, what was it, Lord, in that great service in Shreveport? The close of the prophet's ministry, and he sent something moving there and said, this is the type of services. We need to set in in the last days. They wasn't screaming. They wasn't hollering and shouting. We believe in that. But there was an awesome something about, been speaking about that pillar of fire and that presence. Lord, and it's amazing over and over again, whenever the angel of the Lord would move up next to people and that pillar of fire would hang there near them. And they would begin to feel an anxious, nervous feeling. The prophet said, now don't be nervous. That won't hurt you. Let me tell you how you're feeling. It's a real warm, comfortable feeling. Praise God. Lord, if there's ever an hour that the bride needed comfort, it's now. Lord, so much trouble all around us. If we ever needed that warm, comfortable feeling. We know that we can't feel comfortable around somebody we don't know. We can't feel comfortable around something that's terrifying us. So it must be that we're at ease. And the pillar of fire, the angel of the Lord, is at ease with us. Glory to God. We're friends. We're partners. Glory. How many times have we missed you because we've been looking for the big holler, the big loud scream or shout and what we felt was a comfortable feeling. We said, well, 
The service didn't go the way I wanted. I just felt really relaxed and really comfortable. If we'd had eyes to see, it might have been the pillar of fire that was standing right near us. It overwhelmed our distress. It overwhelmed our anxiety. And for a few moments in that presence, we begin to feel so comfortable. Praise God. Woo us, Lord God. Oh, blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Sing what you're playing for, Zary. Let's just worship him together, friends. Let him just minister to you today. Remember, not one visible sign, not one visible manifestation, not one miracle that we have recorded that transpired when the woman at the well met the Lord Jesus. But she became his message. She received an absolute inspired character, which was above her and beyond her own ability. She had a believable voice. She had received such divine inspiration. A woman who walked out of the city with no character, no reputation, no honor after meeting Jesus walked back in and was so changed that many, many Samaritans believed what she had to say. Brother Darrell was talking out before service and he said, I wonder, Brother Donnie, after she met Jesus, if the next day the women of the city didn't let her walk back to the well with them and counted an honor for her to go back and draw well water from the same well. The day before she was an outcast. The day before nobody wanted nothing to do with her. But after meeting Jesus, she became a person of notoriety. <laughs> she was infamous the day before. But the day after, she was famous. Praise God. I think of a young man years ago that was running from God. Backslid. His daddy stood before the church and said, Church, we're going to take my son from the protection of the church. He's backslid and he knows God. He knows this message. But after today, we're not going to pray for him. We're going to turn him over to Satan. In a few days, some things start happening to that boy. Got flight of his back. One thing after another after another happened to him. I stood a few years ago and ordained that man to preach the gospel. And laid my hands on him. A man by the name of Ronald Dean Spencer. Who went from a name of infamous... To a name among the elect. Hallelujah. 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 Don't you love him, saints? Oh, I, I, just, I just believe we can say it today. We are the redeemed of the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Thank you. God bless you, Brother Dale. I'd rather have Jesus than silver gold. I'd rather be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus.
than houses or land. Lord, I'd rather be led by your nail-pierced hand than to be a king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway I'd rather have you Jesus than This world affords today. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather, Lord, to be faithful to His dear cause I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame I'd rather be true to his holy name than to be This world affords today. Grace of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What a sobering message today. What a Lord Jesus. You know, you look at your own life and you think, what have I really done with what the Lord's given me? I heard a story one time of a little boy who was out walking on the beach. All these starfish had beached herself. There was thousands of them laying around. And the little boy was picking them up and throwing them into the ocean. This man walking down the beach saw him and said, Son, what are you doing? He said, I'm saving these starfish's life. I'm throwing them back in the ocean. He said, But son, look, there's thousands of them on the beach. He said, You can never make a difference. The little boy picked up the starfish and he looked at it and he threw it out into the water and he said, I made a difference to that one. If I could make a difference to one, then my life has not been in vain. Help me, Lord, to, to be a greater witness to you, that, to be my brother's keeper, to speak. Words of comfort to some that's all, maybe that's all they'll ever hear is those words of comfort. To be a vessel that 
that God could use to speak to someone. What a great honor that would be. I'm not talking about being a preacher. I'm just talking about being a Christian. You know, just to speak words of life in a time of death. Think of what you placed in your heart. And when I'm not Nicodemus. I don't identify with that in the scriptures. I'm not the rich young ruler. I, I don't identify with that. But I see myself as the woman at the well. Don't you see yourself like that this morning? That that's something all your life, he was, something was a little different. I remember when I was in the army. And the Gideons came to our unit and brought these little green New Testament Bibles. They gave each of us a little Bible. And the guys in my unit, there was a garbage can on the second floor. And a lot of them threw those Bibles in the garbage can. I was a rank sinner. Lowest as low it could be. 19-year-old in the Army, 18th Airborne Corps. But I got up later on that evening. And I went and got those Bibles out of the garbage can because I, I just couldn't stand to see God's Word in the garbage can. And I put them in my wall locker, had them stacked up. Well, about two days later, I was planning on taking them home when I went home on leave. And we had a surprise inspection. So I opened up my wall locker and I was standing at attention and Captain Barry come walking in. And he looked in that wall locker and there's, <laughs> there's all those Bibles stacked up and he says, Ward, you got a problem? <laughs> I said, no, sir, I just couldn't stand to see the Bibles in the garbage can. Aren't you glad, friends? He put that in our hearts. Man, may the Lord be with you today. Let's just bow our heads. Father, I... There's a soul, Lord, that always ministers to my heart about sitting at your feet and laying my head against your chest. And Lord, that's just kind of how I feel right now, Lord. Just that peaceful, comfortable feeling of being in your presence. Oh, God. I just love you today, Lord. I just so thank you for what you've done for me, for my family, for our church, Lord. Lord, to see the words of this hour, the words that spoke of us, Lord, to come into our day, our season in the sun, Lord. The manifested word of the hour, a super sign to a dying generation that you keep your word. You keep your word, Lord. You do that which you say you will do. Go with your people today, Lord. Give them traveling graces and wake the way homes, Lord, and whatever they would do this afternoon. Be with them, Father. We just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather ourselves together like this. Lord, we long for that day, as Brother Joel sang about, won't it be a time when we can all gather back under one roof? Until then, Lord, let us be faithful and true the path that we're present walking. 
Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you, Lord, for being our buddy. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you today. Don't you love him? Amen. The deacons, as you know, this second round will dismiss us. And God bless you richly. Amen. Sing us up, brother. The more I seek you. Yes, amen. The more I find you. The more I find you. The more I love you. I want to sit at your feet. Drink from this cup in your hand. Lay back against you and breathe. Feel your heart beat. This love is so deep. It's more than I can understand. I rest in your peace. It's overwhelming. The more I seek you.
Thank you, Lord.